And welcome to another edition of Let Me Tell You Something. Yet again, we are doing another match that Dave Meltzer has rated five stars or higher. And yet again, it is a match from New Japan Pro Wrestling. And yet again, it is involving two perennials with a rivalry which we maybe... Maybe it's the most wrestled... I think it must be maybe at this point. The most wrestled match of five stars variety... I wonder. I don't know. Might be something to work out afterwards. But Simon, what are we covering tonight? Well, Hiroshi Tanahashi is taking on Kazuchika Okada yet again Mm. uh, for the right to main event Wrestle Kingdom for the title. So this is the... Oh, sorry. I I didn't realise the calculator was being busted out. This is the sixth match that the two have had that has been given five stars or higher. Their rivalry has gone at this point since Okada returned to 12 matches. So we're at a 50% strike rate of five-star matches from these two. I'm thinking of the, any of the other candidates. Obviously, Flair and Steamboat at four. Um, Okada Omega had four. So I think this must be the most five-star match of all. Uh, now, if we count it as a straight, then yeah, yes. Straight but singles, all... yeah. Obviously, there's been matches involving o- Kawada against Misawa. I was going to say, that's... Probably more, but yeah, yeah. singles matches go. I don't think anything can, clo- can claim anything close to that, because we only got two Misawa-Kawada matches, one of which was, you know, at time of recording, uh, our race is our best match ever. Um, and the other one, one of the bigger disappointments, I suppose. But... I'd fair to say none of these matches so far have been disappointing. And Simon, did you feel at all disappointed this time coming out? Uh, oh, a tiny bit, <gasps> but Sacrilege! but but uh, without. I don't want to obviously telegraph, but it's nothing to do with the body of work itself. I felt. I'm just going to skirt straight to it. I'm trying to skirt around it, but there's no real point. Um, I felt it was a little too sudden in the way it ended. A little too short. I actually wanted too a bit short. more. So it went 35 yeah. minutes, 43 seconds. Yeah. It's the second longest of all the matches they've had. The only one that was longer than it was their Wrestle Kingdom match, where Kazuchika Okada finally won in the Tokyo Dome, which went a grand total of 17 seconds longer. So, I'm not sure where you're getting that from. Sorry, 18 seconds longer, maybe. I Maybe now I take it back. Oh, I've dropped a fucking clanger. Yeah, sorry, they're, they're starting to blow into one. That's why. Okay. <coughs> but what? So, we're still on cocaine binge era, um, Okada. But it seems like he's stepping up his uh, attempts with Tanahashi. I don't believe there are balloons. And he does have a Rainmaker jacket on, although it is in this fiery red number that he's now working yeah the red Tanaha- the red okada clearly a different kind of uh, wrestler <sighs> to the gold purple platinum guy we're used to seeing yeah uh, less 
there's a lot more tombstones he goes for and a lot less drop kicks. Um, a lot fewer drop kicks. Either or. No, there's a correct way of saying it, Simon, and it's fewer. So there's a lot less drop kicks. <laughs> Can you tell we're, we're like in our Abbey Road phase of our relationship? <laughs> <at this> <sighs> Maybe more the White Album, actually. They sort of settled their problems by the Abbey Road. And... Although although recent recordings reveal that they were planning to do more albums in the future. Yeah. Yeah. They were going to do it. They were basically going to give each other. They were, were going to say... Every album, Lennon gets six songs, McCartney gets six songs, Harrison gets four songs, and Ringo gets two songs. Okay. <laughs> Been a bit weird if Harrison and Ringo like produced all the hits from that point onward. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, Ringo was the one that was having the bigger hit albums coming out straight away, weirdly. Uh, it was mostly novelty sort of stuff, but... There's nothing novelty about Tanahashi, but maybe this is a bit of a novelty Okada we're getting. Um, but it does seem like um, the this is still Okada coming up to his best when he has, first of all, Tanahashi in front of him, and also the opportunity to yet again headline Wrestle Kingdom and hopefully dethrone Kenny Omega for the IWGP heavyweight title. That's obviously his goal coming into this match. It does seem like going in, the way he's treating it, he's sort of, part of him knows that the... the the gold Okada that still resides within him knows that if he gets this win, it may even it may reset his brain and be yeah. the end of Red Okada. Yeah, yeah. Because like we said, the, the, this is really carrying over the story of the previous match where Tanahashi is desperate to get that win. He hasn't won against Okada in literally over three and a half years at this point. His last victory over him in a singles match was the 2015 Wrestle Kingdom match. Uh, subsequent to that, they had their Wrestle Kingdom match the year later, which Okada won. Then they had a G1 Climax match in 2016 that resulted in a time limit draw. Then we had Okada successfully defending the title against Tanahashi to break the record um, in 2018. Then they had the G1 Climax match, which was another time limit draw. So since that victory, it's gone two wins for Okada and two time limit draws. So obviously Tanahashi has as much to gain out of this match as he does. I think it would be like a Tanahashi... Well, Tanahashi basically said, unless he can prove that he can still beat Okada, he doesn't deserve to be in the Wrestle Kingdom match main event, challenging for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Speaking to his, like, pride, Mm. really does. Um, Almost Shibata-esque in terms of he's got to do it the right... He's got to win the right way in terms of winning the title the right way via defeating Okada and getting that black mark off his record, mm. like his recent record anyway. What's also curious about this match again is that it's Okada as the challenger, which is something we don't see that often. And again, it's reminding me of how much he's like Ric Flair. And there are Ric Flair moments in this match. Like how we said, the Ric Flair that was suddenly the challenger against Ricky Steamboat was a very different Ric Flair to the one that had been the champion in the first match they had. Yeah. And Okada here is the aggressor. And also, very importantly, he goes after Tanahashi's knee. So it's well, like Tanahashi sort of knee work going on throughout this match. Opens it up, doesn't he? He, he in his quest to make sure he pins Okada rather than uh, nearly getting a count out victory against him early doors. He goes full full ball and does uh, his 
high fly. It is a high fly throw to the outside, which he no, does hit. Well, no, the first time he hurts his knees doing the pescado. Ah, the, yes, the cross body to the outside, and he hurts yeah. his knee. Very Bret Hart esque moment. That was uh, how it happened in WrestleMania ten in his match with Owen Hart. Did we cover that for um, alternative five stars or not? I think we mm. might have done. Yeah, we did do the WrestleMania one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, we did do that. Um, and like I said, Tanahashi is the one that I most relate to being Bret, to Bret Hart uh, in the modern day era. But yeah, it's funny because Okada is just an aggressor in this match in ways that he isn't before. He doesn't do the, you know, what's one of the first spots that we nearly always see in an Okada match is him pushing them into the corner or into the ropes, breaking the hold after faking out an elbow and cockily slapping them on the chest. In this one, he just elbows him in the face. <laughs> well, yeah, that's... I think that could also be a gold Okada versus red Okada thing as well. More than just necessarily champion versus challenger. Mm. Um, gold Okada has the assurance that comes with, ironically, hold not ironically, but funnily enough, holding the gold. Mm. Whereas red Okada doesn't have that assurance. He's just got this viciousness to him. This... Yeah, yeah. And he is relentless going after the knee in ways that Tanahashi usually is. He ties, Ok- he ties Tanahashi's... A leg into the rope and comes running at him with a drop kick, which is a move that both men have done to the other one in the past. Yeah. Um, and the fans don't like it. The fans are, you know, as is often the case, Tanahashi is the sentimental favourite, so Okada is essentially wrestling as the heel in this match. I do love the way Okada goes for, like, the cocky face wash, but onto the knee rather than the face as well. The way he sort of grinds the yeah. sole of his boot into the side of uh, Tanahashi's knee. It's just like a nice... Little adaptation to like a stereotypical heelish thing, yeah, and doing it in a way that's not on the surface nowhere near as a dickish thing to do, but in the context of the match, is possibly more of a dickish thing to well, do than grinding the boot in his face. If he's being a dick this time, he is just well, there are moments when he does sort of play about with o- Okada, but I don't think it uh, Tanahashi, but I don't think it's cocky Okada in this match, it's angry Okada, it's maybe. Less focused, well, focused in in a way, but you know maybe that will cloud his judgment later on. Um, because like, there's a moment where he does the corner drop kick where he sets Okada when he sets Tanahashi seated on the top rope, drop kicks him. Okada Tanahashi essentially sort of tries to do a version of skinning the cat, and he can't yeah. quite. And Okada just seizes on that moment to just uh, grab the knee and beat it and attack it so hard that eventually Tanahashi's stuck there and Red Shoes and the Young Lions have to come up to untie him from the ropes. I think that goes back to the point I was making about pride as well and trying to win in the right way in his Shibata-esque mentality towards his G1 prize. Mm. Um, He didn't need to skin the cat. He could have, like, you know, I think he just wanted to show that, oh, that big top rope drop kit you do, I can, like, you know, survive it. I can get round it. He didn't need, necessarily need to try and be flash in his recovery. And as a result, his knees are horribly exposed for Okada to, as you quite rightly say, batter. Yeah. Well, Okada is also notoriously quite good on the outside of the ring. Again, that Ric Flair dirty, taking it to the outside and fighting dirty. And Okada knows how to do that. Maybe Tanahashi thought if he kept it in the ring, hmm. he could be more in, in control, which turned out to not be the case. That... You know, so often no, Tanahashi knows how to use the ropes, use the ring, use the position to his advantage. But at this point, he becomes unstuck, and it's actually Okada that uses the ring to Tanahashi's disadvantage. And then we see him do like the classic Ric Flair knee breaker leg uh, atomic drop into the figure four leg lock. And just like Ric Flair, he goes after the wrong leg. 
<laughs> well, you could. There is that like kayfabe argument yeah, that yeah, yeah. it, it right, implies Regal. pressure to both. All right, all right Regal. All right, Gordon Soli. Um, what I would say about the figure four is the beauty of the facial expressions from both men whilst whilst the figure four is on really sells the uh, jeopardy mm. and um, opportunity like like um, from. Jeopardy, obviously, in Tanahashi's sense, an opportunity in Okada's sense mm. in that moment. And Okada, when he's starting to be trying, turned on to his stomach by Tanahashi, the way he's just like open-mouthed agape, just straining with all he can to keep himself from being turned. Mm. It really stuck with me how well he's conveying his like desperation to keep that hold in, to keep that wide open opportunity mm. open and then in another call back to one of their previous matches where Tanahashi well the, the, the IWGP title defense the first of this 2018 trilogy where Tanahashi was able to hit a high fly flow to the outside but then automatically get caught by Okada with a tombstone so like he's usually his big tide turning move didn't work for him this time yeah but this time it's actually Tanahashi that hits the desperation tombstone to the outside and then follows it up after breaking red shoes's counts with a high fly flow to the outside which looks like it catches okada pretty much on the face and i was just wondering like his neck could have been so badly done in by that yeah maybe and again was. and the again, fact that he like broke the, the count mm. he's the one that's got the g1 opportunity he's yeah, he he's wants the, the right it. victory like you say he yeah. wants that in-ring pinfall or submission victory um but also he just smells blood in the water. And like I said, oftentimes they'll do that because they think he's going to get back into the ring. So I give him another five seconds of the 20 count to recover when I could just hit him hard now. Yeah. Um, and like I say, he brings him back into the ring with the hurt knee. And this is where we go into like... Again, one of the things I just love about, even though maybe Tanahashi is a step below Okada now... It seems like no one else in wrestling has more ways of escaping, evading, reversing, or just flat out blocking the Rainmaker than Okada than than Tanahashi has. Because he goes for a sling blade, Okada dodges that, turns it into a Rainmaker, which then Tanahashi's able to turn into a twist and shout. And then he follows up with a successful Rainmaker. Um, and then he goes for high fly flow, like getting that big win. He sees the opportunity. Whenever he sees the opportunity, he's going to take it now and go for that high fly flow. But he hits the knees. But again, because he's worked on Okada's knees, that means that Okada's not able to fully take advantage of that either because he's struggling. Even though his knees are probably not even as bad a state as Tanahashi, they were a bad enough state that that affects him when he blocks the high fly flow. And then they have that little power struggle. Yeah, like their version of a test of strength with the gut wrench. Yeah. Um, so I, I like as a visual. I don't. I I do grow tired mainly because, uh, speaking of the Undertaker in WWE, you always tend to see that uh, flip counter. Well, it's such a cool way of like the tight. You know, my how the turntables with yeah. you know uh the fact that the guy who was in the tombstone is now about to inflict the tombstone it's just yeah a perfect a visual <laughs> yeah uh, it's reversal great, it's a great counter don't get me wrong but it's you see it far far too much what is it especially more, in 
uh, WrestleMania matches. Towards it's, more than, it's, it's more of a trademark in New Japan for guys to be hit with their own finishes. Because obviously, like, Triple H hit the tombstone on The Undertaker. Yeah. But very often it's like, why were you going for that? I think, well, actually, my favourite one is um, Batista. I think he's going for a power slam, isn't he, in an elimination chamber match? And uh, Undertaker kicks off the cell door and that brings them un- into the ropes. They roll back into the ring, which puts him in tombstone position. I always remember that being an awesome. <laughs> but in New Japan, it is more, co- you know, like Tanahashi will go for a Rainmaker and, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not against the copycat stuff per mm. se. It's uh, it's that specific Undertaker counter that they have, where they sort of flip and flip and flip, mm. especially when they do it back and forth. That th- well, that spot's just been done far too many times that I've seen. Maybe well, it's because maybe I've, that's just because we've been spoiled, you know. Yeah, potentially. Um, but yeah, so but Okada does finally get back in control, and, and like I said, with the previous Tanahashi match. The first of the trilogy uh, of 2018 matches, how he seemed to be staggering and stumbling when he would just run across the ring. Yeah. And I guess maybe that is ultimately paid off now when he just crumbles when Tanahashi, when Okada goes to whip him into the ropes and he just falls to the ground. Oh, and the knee just completely gives out. Well, it's not just the knee, I think the whole body's giving out. <laughs> just that safe, like when your laptop gets too hot, it's just like, no, I'm out of here. Just shut down. Shut everything down. Shut the whole thing down. Mm. But again, you just have these fantastic trade-offs and reversals now going throughout it. Like, Okada goes for a Rainmaker. Tanahashi turns that into a Dragon Suplex. Okada turns that into a Fireman's Carry into a sort of a, what well, he plans for, like, an AA onto the knee. But Tanahashi in mid-air is able to turn that into a neck breaker. Again, just he knows so many ways to reverse Okada better than anyone else, really. Yeah. And turn it into one of his moves. Then he attempts Sling Blade. Okada turns that into a tombstone. Then it's into a battle of R- Rainmakers uh, attempts that turns into the discus Rainmaker that we saw in the previous match that Tanahashi's able to evade by just slapping him in the face. <laughs> and what a slap as well. The sound off that is beautiful. Mm. But then we have an awesome uh, Okada doing a drop kick to the knee. Oh, that was like brutal because it was that, like like a chop block version, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I first because I think he goes in so quickly. I got confused as to whether it was just a chop block or a drop kick, but he, it's like a shotgun drop kick to the back of the knee. Mm. The way he hits it, mm. and I think earlier in this match as well, he hits one of the best shotgun drop kicks I've ever seen. Yeah, from him, he just launches Tanahashi into the turnbuckle. Um, but then he goes for a Rainmaker, and again, and Tanahashi's able to turn that into a Sling Blade. He hits the high fly flow, but his knees are hurt to fuck, and he can't pin him. Oh, and you can just hear the co- the commentators just sell it. It's like, those extra seconds, those extra seconds. Mm, mm. But that's the whole key now at this point. They're both going for that finish, and again, callbacks to previous matches. When Okada finally won at Wrestle Kingdom, the, the, ter- the final turn of the tie was when Tanahashi went for a high fly flow cross body and Okada was able to drop kick him in midair. He does it this time, follows it up with a tombstone, but his knees are too hurt for him to immediately take, an, take advantage. And then it's just a trade-off of Rainmaker's attempts and finally Okada's able to hit his discus version of the Rainmaker um, and then tries to follow it up with a full ripcord Rainmaker and then Tanahashi's able to turn it into a dragon suplex for a ridiculously long two counts. Ooh, they really, really ran that close, didn't they? And this is the key final battle, really. Tanahashi does climb the ropes again. He's just always looking for that moment. But Okada meets him and hits a drop kick in the corner. 
And then they're fighting on the top rope and the second rope. Like, oh, Tanahashi's literally going for a tombstone pile driver off the second. Oh, Akada's, so sense of, yeah. Some, this is where the the key, this is the final battleground, essentially. This is the maintains risk control of the match. Whoever hits it here is probably going to win. Great response from the crowd that really like added to the moment when Okada does sort of have him. And you can see Tanahashi actually screaming that, no, no, sort yeah. of thing. I think the he crowd has just, Okada! And yeah. slaps him in the face. And then you uh, just before that, though, as it's getting into that position, the crowd response of, ooh, but that sort of unique, you don't really hear that sound mm. in wrestling crowds. Um, except when like things are really about to kick off to a gear they didn't expect, and it's it's just a nice sound to hear. And it's just such an awesome finish as well because it's um, Okada starts falling to the ground, and Tanahashi sees this moment and high fly flows him whilst he's falling off the second rope. I I love that that like it just made that look ev- even more brutal. Just the fact. He just slammed him in midair yeah. into the ground. It's beautiful. And again, it's that sequencing of three different versions of the high fly flow, like how he beat Ibushi in the previous match. Yeah. Whereas with that one, it was a high fly flow to the back, then a cross body, then a high fly flow. With this one, it's that midair high fly flow, followed by a high fly flow cross body. And what's awesome again is that Oka- Tanahashi doesn't do his traditional leaping over the top rope. Like he basically collapses as he gets up. But he collapses into the corner, which allows him to be there to get up on the top rope. In and it, it has enough in him now to do the high fly flow and get the three counts and beat Okada for the first time. And it is just that sense that this is Tanahashi's moment, and Okada is in the wilderness still for the time being. Even though he brought yeah. himself up to a higher level, this is still not full Rainmaker Okada. But, you, you know, you, you beat the guy that's in front of you. And Tanahashi did beat that guy who was in front of him. And that guy was Okada, who maybe people thought he was never going to beat again at that point. And they gave a believable, well-told story to explain how that happened. Yeah, and even though it wasn't Gold Okada, you still had to endure, obviously, the uh, legwork from Red Okada early doors. Yeah. Um, the length of time he was in that figure four, and the fact he, he literally did collapse to the map. Mm. Not really from exhaustion, from his body deciding that he didn't want to endure any more pain for a well, brief Well, that's exhaustion, isn't it? Mm, not fully, no. No? no. Well, are you going <clears> to <throat> give this one five stars, Simon? Uh, no, it's, ve- it's very, very, very good. Um, it just... I don't know if I've been spoiled with Okada yes, Tanahashi, yeah. which is, is a problem uh, with this one. It doesn't quite compare to so some you, of the previous. Okay, so now we've covered all the Tanahashi-Okada matches we are going to cover. They have had one match subsequent to that, which was the opening match of the G1 Climax this year in Texas, uh, mm. where just the ringing of the bell brought the 5,000 fans in attendance to their feet. Um, what is it about these matches that you're not giving all of them five stars, which you have done for all the Okada Omega matches? Um, well, in defense of the Okada Omega matches, they have usually been better. What's the word I'm looking for? That was a, isolated self-contained story whereas this one is a self-contained story but it's a stretched one um wait i disagree with that 
all the subsequent matches, like Okada Omega two, three, and four, are not self-contained stories. No, I meant. I meant. So, I'm, what I meant is Okada versus Omega. Those four matches are a single self-contained story. Whereas I don't believe that to be the case with Okada versus Tanahashi. Well, uh, I think if we'd have watched all the twelve matches, we would have thought that was the case. But we only six of them were given the five stars. You work with the tools you have uh, in this like situation. I personally, I just think this match just didn't have what some of the other Okada Tanahashi matches I had. And I don't think that's a criticism I can put against the Okada Omega matches. They all delivered in a, one in a unique way. One was a, a G1, which is very different vibe to the other three, but they, they sort of delivered a micro, a micro version of the same thing. If you see what I mean, a condensed, more condensed version. This just seems like I, I, I think there could have been more out of them in this match. I just do. Uh, I'm going to have to disagree with you there. Uh, I don't know if I would disagree with you as not giving it five stars or just giving it a very whatever a very high four is. because. But I think it's almost a sign of what we what we prioritise. There's more spectacle and fireworks in an Okada-Omega match through Okada's... Uh, like Omega's... You, some would say overacting, obviously. Some, I imagine a Jim Cornette has a lot more time for a Tanahashi than he does... In, well, he has more time for bloody... I don't know... Um, the Mulkey brothers than he does oh, Kenny Omega. <laughs> but, um, you know what I mean? There's there's different things to what you... I think we can maybe get overawed by the spectacle, whereas there's more nourishment to a Tanahashi match. Uh, yeah. Well, no, I, I do highly rate Tanahashi as a in-ring storyteller, and he... One of the things he's great at is not having to do a lot of fireworks to make his thing seem spectacular. I just think in this particular incarnation just left me wanting more from the two of them and not wanting more is in on the edge of my seat is in terms of they, there could have been something more within this match that I, I, I couldn't necessarily tell you what it is. I, I'm not, uh, I'm not, a, I'm not a very good road agent or anything like that, but I don't know. Okay. Just, just something a little bit, you know. Well, Simon, what is our next match going to be in our five-star-a-thon? Now that we're out of... There are no more Tanahashi Okada matches uh, now for the rest of this run, I would assume, unless we get a sudden uh, unexpected addition between recording time and the 31st of December. But New Japan, I really like that. Uh, what can we expect next, Simon? Uh, we can expect the Golden Lovers taking on... Kazuchika Okada and one of my breakout boys from when I started this list to now. Uh, well, we started this list to now. Tomohiro Ishii, the Stone Pitbull, baby. The one and only five-star match involving Kazuchika Okada that is not a singles match as of time of recording. And also the last interaction, I believe, possibly in ring between Okada and Omega. I'll have to double check on that. But Simon, if people can get in touch with you uh, to disagree or agree with your uh, opinions, how can they do so? Uh, people can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the box number of boxes of red hair dye that Okada used prior to this match. My name is Lorcan Mullen, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for again and N for never again. 
That's my Twitter handle. That's my Instagram account. Facebook, Letterbox. If you put that gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. You can get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. And lmtyspod is also our Twitter handle. But there's nothing left to say at this point except my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next Feel your every desire Just forget what happens tomorrow And spend the night in my arms So I turned to her and said The sky is falling And you're in control About to hit rock bottom I just-